Welcome to the weekend edition of The Daily Writer. Each weekday, we bring you a short lesson that helps you live out the four practices of a great writer, creativity, consistency, courage, and connection. But here on the weekend edition, we take a deeper dive into those topics through conversations with writers, as well as teaching that helps us apply what we're learning. For more, you can visit us at dailywriterlife.com. You know, if you spend much time around writers, you start to see patterns. There are certain things that most writers love, such as telling stories, creating content, and connecting with other writers. However, there's also things that most writers don't enjoy, and one of those things is marketing. Most writers perceive that marketing is kind of a pain in the neck, or it's something that distracts them from their real creative work. But what if you could market in a way that makes use of your natural storytelling skills? What if you could do it in a way that was natural and fun? Well, my guest today is here to help us do exactly that. His name is Keith Griffiths, and he's been a digital marketer for the last 20 years. Keith is here to share his fascinating power story framework, which uses the power of stories to help you communicate. And Keith has taught this same content at places such as MIT, Microsoft, and universities around the country. He's also a self-described geek when it comes to neuroscience and the psychology of influence. Keith is a wonderful storyteller, business strategist, and expert in marketing. In this conversation, he shares why storytelling skills are so vital today, the five power stories, how to use them in marketing, and much more. Now, I've known Keith for a number of years, and I can tell you that he is absolutely the real deal. I've always appreciated his heart for people and his approach to teaching concepts. And this conversation is a lot of fun, and I know that you're going to enjoy it. So here's my interview with Keith Griffiths. Keith, I'm so glad to have you on the show because you are, um, I would say, an expert in storytelling. I don't know if you frame yourself that way. I know the word expert gets a little dicey with (laughs) kind of the entrepreneurs and writers sort of crowd. But um, anyway, you're very, very good at this. So let's start out with this question. Why do you think storytelling is such a vital skill to have today? Yeah, so I I think it's an interesting time for us, especially um, the amount of businesses that weren't traditionally online that are now moving online. Hmm. Um, And and the scary part about it, truthfully, that I don't think anybody besides me is really sort of raising the alarm is that, you know, you've you've seen how, uh, you know, political pundits and and different folks have have sort of attacked our traditional platforms that we've uh, as the small entrepreneurs uh, come through and, and try to build businesses on the backs of, and at the same point, pour money down, you know, these big companies throats, uh, so to speak. So, <clears throat> so what ends up happening is, you know, now you've got all these big companies that weren't traditionally relying on online medium coming into this space. You've got, uh, all these entrepreneurs that have been using Facebook ads, YouTube ads, um, search, these self-service platforms, um, and sometimes spending small amounts uh, to validate ideas, to try things, to grow. And so what happens is you get a lot of noise um, and these big companies, they can afford to pay uh, to really fill up the feed. Um, and you know the rest of us are sort of left fighting for you know the scraps um, and organic content tends to get to be the first thing that gets pushed down. As we've seen update after update, algorithms just remove content um, that you know you want to reach your your end customer but it doesn't um, Facebook pages are a great example of that they wanted you to use them but now they want you to pay to push those posts and uh, in the end 
what we found is that storytelling is the one thing that increases engagement no matter where you place it. So it can be a Facebook ad, it can be a blog post, it can be uh, a standard Facebook post. But in the end, people want to hear a story. They like reading stories. Um, so your quotes, while they're amazing and they make you feel good and, and all that, if it's just that, uh, it's there's no staying power. Stories are going to keep people looking at things longer. And the by and large, that means the algorithm sees it as more valuable because the longer mm. they sit on that post, the more they touch, interact, and scroll through that post, the more the algorithms think that this is desired content for them. And that increases your reach overall. You know, it is interesting that even, even when you're watching or reading or listening to a story that intuitively, you know, is not really very good. It may be kind of boring or it may be not well put together or whatever thing that you think is not good about it. There's still something about the fact that it's a story that's really engaging. It's kind of like bacon, you know, for people <laughs> like bacon, even when you're having bacon and you know, this isn't really that good. It's still bacon, you know what I mean? Or potato chips or something. Even in its worst form, it's still something that you crave and that you want. Our stories kind of like that, do you think, where there, there's something about the human psychology that we just are so hardwired to love stories that even when they're not even that good, we still crave them, which is what makes them so valuable. You hit the nail on the head. I, I use, you know, the example you just used with, with, for example, bacon. You've been conditioned to know that bacon tastes good. Right. So yeah, in the end, it, you know, it, it may be that you think it tastes good and it's not as good as what you've had in the past. Um, it's sort of like the psychology of wine. You know, you look at wine and you're conditioned to think that the more expensive a wine is, the better it tastes. So in, a, in the case of this, you're conditioned based on, you know, millions of years of evolution um, to think that uh, a story is what transmits value and a story is enjoyable. Mm and you actually get you know depending on you know how well it's told it varies but you're going to get um, a dopamine boost in your mind every time you start to hear a story and if they're still told really well with things like open loops and other things that people now sort of talk about as nlp and you know neuro-linguistic programming and all those things those are really just storytelling elements that have been extracted uh, to use uh, in other mediums so in the end you know my favorite saying is um, if you've ever watched a movie twice. And for some reason, you're still anticipating those points. You already know the solution. You've already watched the movie. But the second time through, you're still feeling that same emotion as you approach those critical points of that movie. And you're still, you know, wondering, it's like, you know, watching the scary movie and you're like, don't go in that door. And <laughs> you already know they went through that door. You watched it before. But for some reason, your brain is experiencing that as if it's an experience you're having. And so that's, that's really powerful, especially when we talk about how we want to, as marketers, as business owners, as writers, as we want to change the state of the reader, that's really what we're all about. We're really trying to put people into our state, our frame of mind. Um, and at the same point, do it in a way that makes them enjoy it. You know, they crave it, they want it. Um, so you're, you're absolutely right. Millions of years of sitting around campfires and transmitting stories. That's how we learned. That's how we've been conditioned to learn. And it's really it's embedded in uh, who we are as people. You've put together something really helpful called the five power stories, which I want to dig into in just a few minutes, but I would love to dig into your story a little bit. If we can do that. I know you've had a, a pivot in recent years, kind of in your, in the way that you're approaching things in your business. Um, 
whatever you're comfortable sharing with that, I think that would be helpful to our listeners just so they can get a little bit of a context as to why is Keith so into storytelling? Why does, why do stories mean so much to him? And, and where did this impulse and this desire to talk about storytelling come from? Yeah. So for me, storytelling is, is a bit cathartic. So, you know, it started, um, for me, I'd say the epiphany happened this, this summertime where it just really became my mission. Um, and it, it was, I would say somewhat, um, I don't know, a bit of a strange origin story, but, you know, uh, my three kids, uh, they're all fairly young, uh, twin girls, age four at the time, son, age seven, um, all three of them in the same year were diagnosed with epilepsy. Um, and for us, that was really traumatic. Uh, every time we walked around a corner, we weren't sure if we were going to see them, you know, on the floor, um, you know, and, and we would, we would live in this sort of constant state of, of unknown, um, and it became, I'd say, a, a defining feature of our lives was this, this constant fear. And I held that in. I was actually ashamed of that fear. You know, I was ashamed of my story. I was, I was nervous when I talked to people about it that they were going to somehow now not look at me like a person, but now be afraid just like I was afraid. And I started to really just share, you know, posts on Facebook and and uh, give a little bit of a, a tidbit into the, the life that we were experiencing, but really looking at it in a positive and, and realizing that there were lots of things out of it that I was, I was growing from, you know, I was really enjoying every little second, every smile, every time we got to do something that, that didn't involve this. And we built up this resilience. And then I was uh, in the emergency room. We were on vacation. Um, it was August and we were out on a jetty and my daughter um, was looking out at the jetty. Um, she was kneeling down right in front of me, six inches away from me. And we all got up to walk back and she didn't get up and she was frozen. And that experience of, of seeing her like that, uh, I lifted her up and, and we went through the whole experience, which is, you know, I spare some details, but fairly traumatic. And as I sat in the emergency room that night, people, even the doctors kept saying like, oh my God, I can't believe how, um, how resilient you are. I can't believe, you know, how, how much you, you guys are doing. Cause they were asking us about our lives and, and you're still pushing through. And, and I thought about all these people that were in the same experience going through these dramatic struggles, uh, these, these challenges in their lives and somehow continuing to push through. And many of them were thriving through this, right? Because it's at the lowest point in our lives when we start to really know who we are and, fundamentally it's because of that emotion it's because of that deep-seated emotion that changes us inside and so i started to share that and i made it my resolve from that point on to continue to share those stories and mm -hmm. to make that my mission and to help other people share their stories because i saw what it had done for me and it really is just snowballed from there you know i went within a couple months from from being relatively silent to now publishing articles in entrepreneur.com um from you know, the point at which I was to, to being invited to work with people. Um, and now I embed that into copywriting, uh, provide those services to people. And it, it's just something that's continually evolved for me. So I think the core for me is the mission to take people from struggle to superpower, which is, you know, taking their struggle and turning into something positive. And the vehicle to do that has been storytelling. And I sort of realized it's been all there all along. 
every major issue that I've had in my life, storytelling's pulled me out. Every time I wanted to raise money from a charity, I would sit down and I would write a story. I wouldn't ask people outright to do it. I'd write a story and I'd get thousand percent, you know, mm-hmm. engagement and, and funding for that. And I realized once I saw that pattern, I couldn't, I couldn't unsee it. I always say it's like, it's like being in the matrix. Once you've seen and taken the pill, you can't unsee the matrix, you know, it's there. That's a reference that half of the people listening probably won't understand. <laughs> they're like, what's the matrix? Like the ma- Go watch it. Um, but that whole principle is really true. You know, so, so it, it happened for me on stage when I lost my dad a month later, I, five seconds before I walked on stage, I decided to tell the story of my dad. I threw up one picture. I told the story about him and about his last moments. Um, and the entire place was crying, standing ovation. I was crying, walking off stage. And, and just that one experience has brought back people over and over and over again um, that have, have said that changed their lives. And that power, right? I took something terrible, something that I was ashamed of or I was, I was hiding inside of myself. And I decided to be courageous and vulnerable and share a story and in a right way that didn't leave people sad, it left people empowered. I think that's the key is I realized that there's a lot of people telling stories and you pity them. You tell the story the right way and people will feel empowered, inspired, and actually go on to help other people. And that's the ripple you want. Man, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. I know that's that's a very vulnerable um, you know, aspect of your life that is not easy to talk about, but I, I appreciate your courage and honesty in giving us uh, kind of a peek behind the curtain as to where this came from. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that almost every person listening can relate that to something in their own lives, some kind of tragedy or um, dark period, some kind of struggle that they're going through or have, have gone through. I mean, this is 2020. So pretty much the whole year has been a struggle for <laughs> like the everybody has a story. Everyone has a story at this. Yeah, point. It's, yeah, it's absolutely true. And it's only been exacerbated, you know, this year uh, yeah. in a lot of ways. So let's dive into these five power stories that uh, I grabbed these off of your website. And I really am super interested in these. You've done a great job categorizing these. And as I was looking through these, I was thinking, I'm totally going to rip that off. I'm going <laughs> to not rip it off, but I'm totally going to yeah, feel free these because it's such a helpful and simple and understandable way to categorize stories. So do you want me just to, to kind of list these off and have you make, make some comments or what would be the best way to do this? Sure. Yeah. So first, maybe we can just set up what, what it means by power stories. Um, okay, perfect. That'd be great. You know, one of the things I learned very early uh, was that everybody has a story, but they don't necessarily know how to tell it. And And one of the things that I think is most challenging is people think of stories as a sequence of events right? They think of, okay, I was born, I did this, and then that happened. But I always tell people, think about your favorite movie. They don't open at the start. They open at the highest, most intense point of the story that hooks you. And then they might work backwards to then give you the the background and then lead up to that event. And then they show you the end result, right? And that's, so that's always what I tell people to think about. So that's, that's by definition, what I call a power story something that that really follows this particular format, which applies to these power story types um, that will always lead a person through the right set of emotions to take the right set of actions at the end of the story that you want them to take. So first and foremost, that's what a power story is. And there's five different power story types that are the most common ones that 
I guess um, for the last, this has been over 10 years that I've done this and I, I made it part of the core of what I do, which is, is really categorizing these things into buckets that make it really tangible for people. And because some of these work and, and there's many that don't. And it's important to note, ugh, important to note that if you use the wrong story uh, formula, it's not that it's going to crush anyone, but it's to, to Ken's earlier point, it's going to make you interested, but it's not necessarily going to get you the end result you want. And so that's where these power story types come in. That makes total sense. I love that. I love that. Well, let's, let's um, maybe talk through these a bit. The first one is celebration. And, and again, I'm just, you're going to have to correct any, any language that I'm using. Um, but this is all about telling stories that show how, not just wow. And I'm really curious what you mean by that. Yeah. So this is one that I think we've, we've become a little bit accustomed to seeing the show um, that that's trying to make you think I'm amazing, right? It's the, it's the, wow. It's sort of, I'd say it's taken on a new life more recently, uh, depending on the area you work, but this is sort of akin to, you think about the, the fancy photos, the best selfie, right? So the idea of, I want to show you how amazing I am and how great my life is. And, um, you know, the palm trees, you know, I make you think that I'm sitting in this tropical island when it's a picture from three years ago. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's the most a high level superficial one. But more recently, when you apply that to business, I, I set this up as the I don't know if you know, but ClickFunnels has something called the two comma club award, yeah. which is, um, you know, they, they send you this plaque and it's if you reach a million dollars with one funnel, they send you this plaque, which is a great achievement. And it's, it's in really a, a good selling tool. The problem is a lot of people take this as the, oh, wow, look at me, look what I did. And they, they show you them unboxing this. They show this in their ads. And honestly, it turns most people off from working with them because it, it doesn't give value. It just says, look at me, look at how great I am. Whereas those ones that take that and then they they take you to the point of oh my god wow they achieved that but the first line takes you back to when i first started i never thought i would be here until i did x right and then now all of a sudden it's a hook now it's saying okay there's something in it that's valuable for me and then they start bringing you back what was their mindset you know like before what was the thing that flipped in them that allowed them to achieve that and then ultimately what were the results that they saw? What are the results they saw for the people they work with? Um, and then what's the next action that they're looking to take? So that's really a celebration post done well. Um, but you can apply this to anything, uh, small wins even, right? Mindset wins a lot of times. You know, weight loss wins. So I, I lost two pounds. Here's what I did to get there. Those things are things that they do sort of the, the essential elements. They're they need to be a little bit vulnerable, right? You want to actually peel back the curtain a little bit and, and get people to understand that you are like them, not that you're this amazing, perfect person. Cause most of us these days weren't born into, you know, this incredible wealth. And, and it's just like, you know, we took off from there. Most of us, you know, that are in the space and are using these online tools are people that have really done something and they've, they, they learned a skill, they applied that skill and they grew you know, what they, what they've done with it. And it, it applies to everything, um, any skill that you acquire. So celebrate the small wins, the big wins, but remember that it's not just about the end result. It's about the journey that you took to get there. I love that. I love that. 
Okay, next is us versus them, where you talk about uniting your tribe with a common goal and a common enemy, which I think is is super intriguing. That appeals to me as a movie fan. Like, what's what's going on with the enemy thing there? Yeah, so you know, the us versus them. Um, you know, very typically when we when we look back in time, this is one of the most used and also somewhat the most nefarious one of them all, uh, because in any culture. There's always this um, this group that's with you that has these core beliefs, whatever it is. So if you believe, um, I'll stay away from religion and politics, um, but um, it, it could honestly be anything. If you believe in organic farming, for example, right? Your your us is the organic farmers who believe in wholesome. Uh, small batch farming who believe in using organic materials who who believe in the health benefits that come from that and the them is you know uh, Monsanto and the big agriculture and the GMOs and all of those people that are really trying to attack the core of what what you believe and this is really all about activating your base towards a mission and you know I I believe it should be a, a positive mission it shouldn't necessarily be a negative but it does work in the reverse. It's the same approach uh, that's used by political candidates to to polarize their audiences. Hmm. Um, so you got to be careful, right? Because in the end, um, uh, you know, I like to say, you know, you get sprayed by the skunk and the stink doesn't go away for a long time, <laughs> right? So that that's something that you have to remember is that if you use it in the positive, then it's great because it's it's always going to be true. You believe in this thing. Um, it is positive by nature. And there are people that are, uh, the antithesis of that, that are coming after that, that are trying to unseat and unroot that. And so, you know, that's a great one because you can use a lot of the standard uh, emotions, emotional triggers, you know, this level of, um, you know, you're under attack, you need to, to act, you need to do these things. And people don't feel bad about it because they know that they're doing something for their mission, something that's positive. Mm. Um, so that's really the key. And, and to your point, it, it's what's used in movies all the time you know, constantly in our psyche, we're trying to figure out who's the hero and who's the villain. We've been conditioned from day one um, in Disney movies to identify the hero and and try to continue to emulate the hero and to recognize the villain to protect ourselves and to um, to fight back against. And so it's it's sort of just flipping a switch to standard program that, that we already have. Now, when it comes to things like writing, uh, creative arts, those kind of things, which is what this podcast audience is, you know, there, there's no villain outside of our door trying to take our pen away or our computer away. Like there's no physical villain stopping us, but we more deal with those internal struggles of like what yes. Stephen Pressfield calls the resistance or our own inertia or our own insecurity or things like that. So th- there's always a, there's always an enemy. And sometimes, you know, the enemy is within us and I'd say would say the biggest enemy is within us for sure. I I completely agree. I mean, I'll be honest. That's, that's, you know, in some cases, the vulnerability is, is both the hero and the enemy and and a lot of my stories, right? Because Hmm, it's, it's the fear that you have to be vulnerable, but it's also the transcendence that you achieve. So once you do it, it, it opens you up and it pulls people in and it, and it achieves the goal. So you're absolutely right. I mean, in the end, um, it's not always a, a physical them. Um, it's it's potentially something that is uh, is a feeling, something that's a condition, right? Sometimes it's 
you know, the them can be, you know, the, the conditions that you're living in, the them can be the bills that are pouring in. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be that you're villainizing the bill collectors. It's just that you're, you're pushing it against the, um, the things that are really holding you back and that are trying to keep you from yeah. achieving the end result. It's an antagonistic force, not necessarily a villain. Correct. Of yep. some, or it's an obstacle of some kind. Yep. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting is obviously we just finished with the election a couple weeks ago and um, one day, this has been a, a few, a few weeks ago, my wife and I were sitting watching some program on TV and you know how they have all the political ads and stuff. And I don't even remember, remember who the candidate was or what side they were, but it was the same type of political ad we've seen millions of times. It's they take this uh, out of context quote from their opponent and they have this, it's always a black and white shot of them doing something. I don't know why it's always yeah, black and white. It's always more dramatic. Yeah. So and so they lied and they did this and they did this. But, and I told my, I turned to my wife and I said, you know, any intelligent person I would think would understand how these ads are put together. They're, they take a bunch of stuff out of context. They're trying to obviously villainize their opponent. What they're saying may be factually true, but it's constructed and edited in such a way as to make us want to villainize the other person. But what is funny is that even psychologically, we, you know that what they're doing is taking it out of context, perhaps, and all that. It still is emotionally effective. So we have that desire to have an us versus them mentality in every mm -hmm. area of life, it seems like. So it's like, man, yeah, I know what they're doing, but that's still really effective, you know? Well, well, the hard part is that it, it becomes subconscious because <clears throat> unfortunately, the more touch points you have with something, the more familiar you are, the more you like it, whether you want to or not. Mm, um, that's a good, and, good point. And so, you know, it bypasses a bit of the conscious filter. So unless somebody every time those comes on, you know, attaches a negative meaning directly to it, then subconsciously you start to forget what was real, what was fake. Um, mm. what was, you know, the actual statement that was made by which party <clears throat> and you start to really remember what they said and it becomes, you know, and maybe not the exact wording, but the sentiment that they said, the emotion. And so what they're doing really is building an emotional trigger. They're creating this narrative that, uh, whether you want it or not is going to create some level of trigger inside you. And, um, and that's the really, you know, dangerous part about all this is that if they put that in front of you enough times, uh, then you almost are defenseless towards it. You have to actively work against it. The only thing I'll say with some of that, though, is you're usually not changing someone's mind. Even with our stories, we're not changing someone's mind categorically right there. You're <clears throat> what's the best way to say it? So there there was um, Cialdini has this book, Influence, and he mm -hmm. talks about people that um, your goal is to, to create these little micro events that make them more inclined, uh, to, to respond to you, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're they're if they're completely against your cause that they're going to all of a sudden flip. But he, he has this experiment he calls out where, uh, somebody walks through a neighborhood and they put out yard signs and these yard signs are, um, they could be for anything, but you know, let's just say, I forget what they were for, but let's just say it was for, um, not using pesticides just for an example. And now a week later, they call on that person. They try to get a don donation and they say, Hey, you are a, you know, we know that you're a person who, um, who loves to, to be supportive of certain causes. And, you know, this is really near and dear. Would you be willing to donate? And they actually found that there's a higher response rate from people that allowed the yard sign to go up. 
And it's the consistency principle. These people now thought that they were uh, more inclined to be activists. So they wanted to be consistent with that behavior. And so when we're telling these stories, it's the same thing. It's that in the end, you're appealing to the person who already is the type of person that you're looking for. And they are then reacting to that with consistency and who they believe they are. So it's really just about activating it. So when you look at political ads, that's the reason you hear people spewing the same misinformation, because in the end, they don't really care about the information. They care about the fact that they've already made up their decision. They already believe yeah. these, these things that this person believes in. And now they're just looking for ammunition to go rattle it off and feel right. incredible about it. We, we really, we love to filter out information and facts that don't align with our perspective on something. We quite literally, we, you know, sometimes they don't even make it in because the subconscious does that for us. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's a pretty incredible phenomenon all the way down to like when my wife says, grab the milk and I can't see it in there and it's right in front of my face. Quite <laughs> literally um, your brain actually will filter these things out. So if you start saying, I can't find it, I can't find it. Well, then they walk over and grab it. It's because your brain actually eliminated that, that part of the, wow. the visual processing happens all the time. And I think, you know, it's because we just are bombarded all the time with these visual inputs. And so that's also another reason that story is so important is that, you know, your headline's amazing. That's great. But we're so fatigued from those things that we, we've now begun to start to filter them out. So we have to get more outrageous in order to bust through that subconscious filter. And, you know, that cycle has continued unadulterated for, you know, the last, I don't know, at least the last 25 years where, you know, online media has just gone crazier and crazier. And now you see, you know, media outlets trying to outdo other media outlets and, and doing all this stuff. And that's why negativity is so powerful because it creates anxiety yeah. and it gets people to click. Yeah. So that's really what this is about. It's about fighting back from those things, using something that's, that precedes all of it. It's like short circuiting the whole cycle and going back to the beginning and saying, we sat around campfires, we, we shared stories and those became part of who we are and shaped who we are. So let's, let's forget about all the craziness and let's go back to that core and start to build off of that foundation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Now I want to, I want to skip past a couple of these. So the next two are confession and revelation. I don't want to spoil all the good stuff for the audience. I want to point them to your site where they can get a lot of more info on this, but I want to jump down to top secret because you have created intrigue within me <laughs> by that title. So this one is top secret. This is number five, uh, top secret, a power story, create intrigue and exclusivity. And then I'd, I'd like to take a little bit of time and talk about some ways that writers can use these power stories in their own writing. But first of all, what is, what's the deal with the top secret thing? What is that all about? Yeah. So, so this is something that um, I see people try and, and fail a lot, but if done well is, is really powerful. So, you know, when you, let's just say I have a new, I don't know, let's just use a random example and one that we probably get bombarded with daily. Um, you see it in that, the weight loss and health industry. So there's this new ingredient they found, you know, the superfood. Um, in all the discussion, what they're doing is they're sharing the story around what it is that it does, where it might have come from, all these different things, but they don't actually give you the answer unless you take an action. Hmm. And really that's, you know, that's, and you can choose what that action is. I mean, if it's a story, then it can just be waiting till the next chapter. It could be 
um, watching a video it could be opting in and signing up for something, you know, getting, you know, a sample of your book, whatever it is. But the idea here is to create, to really sell what it does, what are the outcomes um, that it provides, and then you ask somebody to take that ne next step. So a good example is if I was writing this in sort of an ad copy way, just because we're so used to seeing it as, you know, uh, when the scientists discovered this uh, new uh, new fruit, uh, they had no idea the powerful antioxidants would be able to reverse, you know, cardiac uh, output issues or now I don't now I'm going into medicine right now. Um, but, you know, reverse these things, slow down aging, do these things, right? That's kind of the, the method that you're sort of used to hearing in, a, in an advertisement, but applied to a story, it would be um, in a similar way. Uh, let's talk about sort of me. If I didn't want to tell you that, that my secret sauce was around power stories, I might actually say that, you know, the, the story that uh, I had around speaking from stage, you know, and I, I talk about that story and how it changed my life, how people came up to me after the fact um, and told me their, you know, shared their experiences and then went on to take um, training from me directly and completely changed the direction of my life. So I share that story. I haven't told you the answer to that, but I'm sharing that story, that experience. I've painted the picture of where I am now. Uh, through that experience and from that revel that it's a bit of the the revelation too, but that thing, and I've formulated it into this, this method, the power story method. Um, and I, you know, in the beginning, I only made it available to a very small segment of people. And so now all of a sudden I've created this, this intrigue of like, okay, the result, the result, the result because of this thing, but what is the thing? I need to know what that thing is. Um, and they don't get that thing until they take the next step. And so I think that's, it's something you can do in a sentence or two. It's uh, it doesn't have to be long and drawn out and dramatic. Um, but just that idea of creating, um, creating, showing the result, hiding the, the reason for the result, but making sure that you make it clear that it was some, you know, something unique, right? It can't just be like, Oh, I figured out how to shop at whole foods. So now I'm skinnier. Hmm. Um, you know, there has to be something worth being intrigued about. Um, and then, you know, making sure that there's something they have to do that sets a barrier in order to get it. So it has to be, um, and it, it should be the more difficult, the better. So some people do this with coaching where they, you know, they make you apply and they only accept a small percentage of people. Colleges do this um, in some instances where, you know, they, they build this wall that makes you go through all these steps to get in, um, in their case, they don't have a whole lot of top secret sauce, but, um, but if you can apply that into your microchasm, it, it becomes really, really potent and powerful, especially in validating something that, um, that you want to get out in the world. Um, so that's Boy, my that's, long drawn that, out. That is camera. really fascinating. So now you've made me think of this, this writing community that I'm launching very soon in a beta group form. And it's funny because there's an application process involved and it's not like some big extensive kind of a thing where we ask for your blood type and social security number <laughs> and all that. But but there is an application process. And it's funny that whenever you put up a wall like that, even if it's a very minor barrier to entry, that automatically creates desire within people. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. I can't just walk in. Like you've got to have a, I've got to have a ticket. I've got to be invited or, or whatever it is. So it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, those secrets really, and psychologically, we know what's going on with those. You know, we know 
any when we get on Netflix and see secrets of the ancient pyramids, mm-hmm. who was buried in in this pyramid or whatever it is, we know what they're doing. You know, anybody who's ever been involved in media or writing or blogging. Oh, yeah. You kind of know what they're doing with that, but still it just it just works. So I'm yeah. so grateful that you've taken the time to put together these five power stories because it's helpful to have those consolidated in one place. And that way we can just pick from those in our communication and what's going to work best. So um, how can, how can writers use these in their newsletters, blog posts, podcasts, uh, speeches, talks, really anything that they're creating books? What are, what are some of the best ways that we could begin using these? Yeah. So, so it's sort of, uh, I'll go back to the way that they're laid out. So, so these are the the power um, the power pack uh, which is the the way that I typically bundle these um, which is the entry point into to the world that I that I work it really starts with understanding the the questions and how to lead people through the process of of really discovering them and so the way you know way it starts is really what's the end in mind and I think this is true um, you know if you're starting to write that new book you're always thinking about what's that title what's that you know subtitle what's that hook you know how you know that's that's your end result that's your big promise and then you figure out how to work your way back and you're sort of outlining your your chapters in the way this works it's very similar but you know we each one of those things each email newsletter each blog post each you know maybe even chapter is a opportunity to to use one of these templates and say okay the end result i want to achieve is x what's the emotion that I want them to experience in order to get them to that place. And, um, and then it works you through a series of questions, you know, and a lot of times, like I said before, it it starts with, okay, what's the most heightened point of that story? Where's the drama? Where's the tipping point? You know, let's start there. And I want you to explain to me what that is. All right. Now explain to me what life was like before. Explain to me what that revelation was. So, so there's pieces of these things um, in, in those templates. But in the end, I'd say the most fundamental thing and the biggest mistake people make is they don't know where they want to take the reader and they sort of wait to arrive someplace. And that has its own place in in certain types of writing. But where I focus in is saying, okay, being very conscious of what you want that person to do. And in so doing, you say, okay, I want them to be in this emotional state in order to take that action. And some, you know, it's important to say that some emotions are good and some are bad, especially when you want somebody to do something, right? You don't want to get somebody to a point where they're just sad. Um, and then all of a sudden say, now, you know, buy my product and change your life. You have to bring them, you know, from this point of, of sadness, anxiety, you know, whatever it is, the fear, that you've built up depending on the, the story that you're using the power story type to this place of, okay, I can do this. This result is potentially real for me. And, and here's what I do. So, you know, a little bit of this is, um, is taking each of those in chunks. And then also, you know, to your point, you have to look at them like a connected set of dots, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to, you want to approach each of them like they're separate, right? Cause in the end, somebody's on a journey with you, um, if it's your book, if it's your blog, they're on a journey with you that to them feels like one thing. To you, it feels like a bunch of different things, but to them feels like one experience, like the Kent, ex- you know, Kent's experience. I, I want to know his podcast, each episode, start to get a sense of what it is. 
Um, and it should be almost repetitive of where I want, you know, where you can't want me to go should be just something I naturally know. Um, and, and that I think is something that a lot of writers, especially they think it's somehow going to come out organically. Um, Hmm. but in actuality, what ends up happening is they take people on five journeys, um, but only in little snippets. And so nobody really knows like, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to be with you? Do you want me to be part of your inner circle? Do you want me to be a part of your, um, you know, whatever that book's intention is, is there a next step? Is there, you know, something else I can do with you? Um, cause that's really what they're always, you know, asking in their head is what's in it for me. And then how are you going to help me get there? That is a big problem with writers, especially I see many times because, you know, a lot of writers, they think that being a good writer means being flowery or being verbose or being very poetic in what they're saying. But sometimes you just want people to come out and say what the point is. And I think there's a lot of confusion about what is what does it mean to be a good writer? Mm. That, that is a fundamental question. I think I have not done a good done a good job addressing on this podcast. I need to really think through that because good writing is is not about being flowery or using all the words in the, in the thesaurus and all that kind of thing. It's really communicating well to your, to your listener and getting them to do something that you want them to do and being clear in what you're doing. And sometimes as writers, we, we look down on writing that is clear and simple and straightforward and direct, Mm. but that oftentimes is much more effective than just kind of meandering and exploring and not having a clear idea of what we want our reader to actually do. Yeah. I mean the, you know, the editing process is a, it's a tough process. It's, you know, but in the sense of uh, the better you get it at using, you know, these, and, and I, I want to know, like, these aren't sort of formulas that are locked, you know, locked in place and predictable. Like, you know, you still have the freedom to write and to use, you know, um, whatever, you know, whatever visuals you want to create. And I actually am a big advocate for sort of painting a picture and to think about this, I personally am a narrative storyteller. So I I like to, to actually guide somebody through it so that they're painting this picture in their mind. And, you know, I use similes. I think one of the best things in the world is um, people always call them metaphors accidentally, but it's really most of the time they're using similes, you know, they're saying he was slow like molasses, right? Those are really great to just sort of paste throughout and and get people into that sort of rich visual in, in their mind. So you absolutely still want to maintain that. But the problem is you just got to make sure that that journey is, is somewhat linear, right. Um, or at least logical in the sense that like, if I feel this way, then there's a resolution, right. You're not going to leave me hanging with this level of anxiety with, you know, I've seen so many good writers that just stop and you're, you're standing on the cliff. And then the reader's like, what, what the hell do I do here? What, what am I supposed <laughs> to feel right now? You've kind of left me, you know, in this place where I don't know where to go. And I see that with articles and stuff too. They're really well-written articles. You know, in the end, the reader wants to feel like they're empowered. They want to feel like there's something they can do about it. They don't want to feel with this sense of despair. In the end, you know, I I would advocate that, you know, even if you're bringing to this point of despair, the end result should be awareness and, and giving them something, right, to do. And a lot of people don't do that. They just think that they've they've done a great job because they've you know to your point the the words we use were magical and i feel really proud about that yeah yeah well keith this has been a blast um 
man, there's so much good stuff here. We could talk about this stuff for hours. <laughs> Movies and stories and political ads. You know, it's it's all tied together in, in some Agreed. ways. How can our listeners connect with you and learn more about the power stories and the power packs? Or power pack or packs, plural, singular. I don't remember which one it is. <laughs> but anyway, you can fill us in on that and how we can learn more about all the cool stuff that you're doing. Yeah. So, um, so the home base is uh, struggle to superpower. So it's struggle to superpower.com. Um, if you go to uh, struggle to superpower.com forward slash download, um, my most recent free gift, no matter when you're listening, will always be there. Uh, so that's where you can start your journey. Um, you can get access to the power story uh, workbook. It's a, it's a template that asks you a series of questions. You type it right in. And at the end you have, have a story that, you know, there's countless of people that I've worked with that can attest. Um, it changes everything, you know, goes from, uh, where you're struggling to get people to actually listen or care about you to the point where, uh, they're all of a sudden engaging to your content, sharing your articles, um, clicking through on your ads, buying your products, uh, so it can be applied to, to all of that. Um, those same things could be applied to your writing for your book. Um, but if everybody here is writing a book, then then you probably have your own methods. But I'd say at minimum, when you're looking to promote the book, uh, this is something that bar none will, will help you. So struggle to superpower.com. And then from there, you can see, you know, all my writing and entrepreneur, um, business insider, all the other uh, major large pubs that I, I write for as well as my blog. Awesome. Well, Keith, thanks so much. This has been a blast. Absolutely. Thanks, Kent. Well, that was a blast, and I hope you had as much fun as I did. My main takeaway from this conversation is to use storytelling and to study it. Know where you want to take your reader or listener and use good stories to help you accomplish that goal. Storytelling is not just a skill that novelists and screenwriters need to use. Every writer, every author, every business owner, every teacher... Every communicator and every marketer needs to use stories to reach people with their message. And I'm so grateful for Keith for taking time out of his busy schedule to share in this conversation. Make sure to grab Keith's power story template at strugglesuperpower.com slash download. It'll help you start telling better stories in your social media posts, blog posts, and content within minutes. You can also connect with Keith on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, all those links will be in the show notes. Well, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I would be extremely grateful if you would consider taking just a minute or two to leave us an honest review in iTunes. Those reviews are extremely helpful for reaching new listeners, and I read and I appreciate every single review. And if you know of anybody who would enjoy these episodes, please consider sharing it with them. For more, you can visit us at Daily Writer Life. Thanks so much, and I will see you tomorrow.